0: Om Sahana Vavatu Sahana Bhunaktu Sahavir Yankar Vavahai Te Om Shanthishanthishanthi namasri shankara namasri shankara nananda guru padam bujmanane guru padam bujmanane savilasamaha moha savilasamaha moha graha graha ka karmane grahagrasaik ka karmane We are discussing here how the Mahavakya, this major statement or the primary statement, the Upanishad Mahavakya suggests, tat Tvam Asi, that thou art, in this particular statement, which is merely three words, tat means that, Tvam means thou, art, is ashe, art, that twam Asi. I said yesterday both these words Tat and Thvam, That and Thou, these are placed in the nominative singular, meaning they are placed in the same case, in the same number. And by the rule of grammar, when in a given sentence, when both the words are placed in the same case, in the same number, then we should expect that both of them refer to the same thing, (coughs) same object. So that Thou art, That and thou both are nominative singular and therefore both of them refer to one entity alone. That thou art. (coughs) Otherwise, that and thou cannot be placed in the same case. (coughs) However, we find that both that and thou are possessed of totally contradictory characteristics. Thou meaning the vatvam or you, the individual, is... Generally understood, I or the self is understood as one who is limited. A limited being. Antahkarna sambhinna bodha. One who is uh, reflected in the mind or one who is conditioned by the mind, one who is identified with the mind. And therefore, I as I generally understand is the one who is limited by, who is a limited entity, identified with the mind having a sense of individuality. <coughs> this is I or the direct meaning of what we call tvam in that st- statement, tattva masir, how? <coughs> and as we normally understand, "tat" meaning the Lord is the jagat, karta is a creator, sustainer, he is a abhinna nimittu padana karana meaning, he is both the material cause as well as the efficient cause possessed of maya meaning the creative power as the very upadi and with this maya he creates this universe. He is therefore, the lord is therefore the omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. This is what we normally understand as a meaning of the word tat or that or lord. So then this statement says Tatvamasi, that thou art and the literal meaning of the, the words that and thou art that lord you are, Lord is, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent and I, limited in every respect. How can the limitless be one or identical to the limited? <coughs> pratyek Parokshata I know, I know, I am the, I know myself most intimately because I am present right away. I know myself immediately, meaning I have the knowledge of myself as an immediate entity, principle and God I know as someone who is remote, someone who is separated from me in time and place and conditions. <laughs> Therefore, when one wants to understand the meaning of this simple statement that thou art, it presents a lot of difficulties because both this that and thou, these are possessed of contradictory characteristics. That as we said, is possessed of the characteristics of omniscience, omnipresence, omnipotent. Thou is is only here in limited in time, place in every manner. The thou is someone who is directly known, that is someone who is taken to be remote. So that thou art. To understand the meaning of this sentence presents as we said many difficulties because that and thou as generally understood are possessed of contradictory characteristics. I am one among the many, this is thou. And that is purna or complete in every respect. So we understand God or that as one who is complete in every respect. Purna, complete, that does not exclude anything. This is that. And I am the one who excludes everything other than myself. The whole world is different from I and therefore I am one of the entities in the creation. And Lord is everything in the creation. How can these two be identical? Tatvamasi that thou art. How can these two be identical? And therefore, when we take what we call the vachyartha or the literal meaning of these words Tat and tvam or that and thou, then they just do not make sense. Yasahatasmat lakshana sampravartade It is said that you then should go in for another meaning of the word. When a word is uttered or a sentence is uttered, then first of all we must only take what we call the vachyartha or literal meaning of the words. Only when the literal meaning of the words do not make sense in a given sentence, then alone we go for what we call implied meanings. (coughs) So implied meaning is an inferior meaning actually. The superior meaning is vachyartha, or Shaktiartha or Shaktiasa meaning the direct or immediate meaning. <clears throat> when it doesn't make sense, then alone we have to go for implied meaning. As we have been saying, uh, you may utter a sentence which doesn't make sense apparently. They say the red runs. There is a statement Shono dhavati the red runs. Now when you are said, when you are told this, you look there. And red is color. It cannot run. Red is color on an attribute which is always centered or lo- upon some locus. And you find a red horse running. Therefore you understand when someone says red runs, you interpret the statement to mean the red horse runs or someone in red clothes runs or whatever. And thus the word red is understood as a red horse. Or red is understood as a person in a red jacket or something like that. (coughs) So here, the word red has to be interpreted as red horse. This is called Lakshnavarti or implied meaning. Or another famous illustration they give in Vedanta is the hamlet on the Ganges. The hamlet on the Ganges. Hamlet means a group of hutments on the Ganges. What do you understand by Ganges? Ganges means the, the flow of water. When you hear the word Ganges, that's the name of a river. And Ganges being a river, what is the idea that immediately strikes your mind? Flow of water. And therefore when someone says, a hamlet on the Ganges, definitely it doesn't make sense because nobody would know village or, or town can be… or no village or hamlet can be built on the flow of water, on the running water. Therefore, you understand the sentence as a hamlet on the bank of the Ganges. So word Ganges is to be replaced by bank. This is what we call the implied meaning. So we go for implied meaning when the literal meaning or the direct meaning does not make sense in that statement. Similarly also, here when it is said, you are limitless it just does not make sense because I find myself a limited entity in every way. I'm limited in time. I was born a few years ago and I know that I'm not going to be around after a few years. I'm limited in time. I'm limited in place. I'm here in one place and not in another place and therefore limited in place. I'm limited in condition meaning I'm a human being, I'm not a bird or I'm not a tiger or I'm not a tree. And therefore, I find myself to be an entity limited in every respect, limited in time, limited in place, limited in objectivity, limited in condition. And when I am told you are limitless or you are God, not even limitless, you are God when you are told, I understand God as the creator, sustainer, destroyer. God is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent. How can I be God? It is just doesn't make sense. And therefore, we have to go for what we call Lakshanartha or Lakshyartha or the implied meaning of the word I and God both. <coughs> and what is the nature of the lakshana that is explained in the verse 74? Sācha kīduṣi ityatāḥ what sort of Lakshana? There are different Lakshanas, there are different implied meanings and which one is applicable here that is being said in the verse 74. Tattva Masyadi Vakyeshu Tattva Masyadi Vakyeshu Lakshana Bhaga Lakshana Lakshana Bhaga Lakshana Soya Mityadi Vakyastha Soya Mityadi Vaakyastha Padayo Riva Nāpara Padayo Riva Nāpara Tattva Masyadi Vaakyashu meaning a statement in a statement such as Tattva Masi that the word Lakshana Bhag Lakshana What is the Lakshana meaning? What kind of an implied meaning do we have to take? That is called Bhag Lakshana or Bhāgatyāga Lakshana See, there are three kinds of Lakshanavuraktis. This has been discussed several times in the past. We can briefly mention it again. In Sanskrit it is called Jahal Lakshana, Ajahal Lakshana and Jahad Ajahal Lakshana. Jahad Lakshana meaning, I don't know the English equivalents anyway. And uh, Jahad means when something is given up. I already gave you the illustrations. When we say Hamlet on on Ganges, Then since this statement does not make sense because a hamlet cannot be on a… on a… on a stream of water, therefore we interpreted Ganges as the bank. So word Ganges is completely replaced by another word called the bank and even when someone says a hamlet on the Ganges, what do we understand? A hamlet on the bank. Why did he not directly tell us hamlet on the bank of the Ganges? Why does he have to say hamlet on the Ganges? first of all, brevity. And secondly, he says Hamlet on the Ganges because instead of saying Hamlet on the bank, it is said Hamlet on the Ganges to show that Ganges is always a a sacred river. Ganges is a sacred river and therefore, some kind of a purity or some kind of an atmosphere is suggested about that Hamlet. So the user has always a certain, certain purpose. In 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 a certain statement. So there is a purpose why the word Ganges is used instead of a bank. And there were purposes it is closer to the Ganges. Ganges is a sacred river, and this hamlet also perhaps is inhabited by people who are devoted to Ganges and who are this, that, and whatever. And this kind of meaning is conveyed there. But the word Ganges is completely given up and we replace it by the word bank. This method of understanding this Lakshana or implication is called Jahad Lakshana. Ha means to give up, Jahad means where something is given up. Where this word Ganges completely gives itself up and is replaced by the word bank. Second illustration we give us the red runs. Even that also does not make sense. And therefore, we have to understand the statement is to mean the red horse runs. <coughs> What did we do here? When we say the red horse runs, that word red is not given up. The red is retained, plus you add a related word called the horse. You don't say red mountain runs, because mountain is not related to red or not related to running. So, red horse runs, or a red jacket runs. Then again, if someone says red jacket runs, then you will have to say, a man wearing red jacket runs, you know, because red jacket also cannot run. So you bring in a related word and this is called Ajahal Lakshana, meaning where the word is retained. plus you bring in a related word. The red runs means the red horse runs. Or bhyo dhirakshatam. another illustration that is given, that you must have heard. A, once, you know, in, a, in the house, the curd was placed out, you know, in the yard for drying so mother had had uh, in, in the in the house they have certain open areas you know and sometimes they place these things for for drying up so mother had placed this curd out there for drying and she had to go out so she told her ten year old boy kake bhyo rakshatam may you protect this skirt from the crows because crows come and eat away And therefore, mother asked this boy to protect the curd from the crows. And he had a stick in his hand also. After half an hour, mother returns home and finds that all the curd is gone. And this fellow is still sitting there with the the stick. Says, what did you do? I asked you to protect this curd. Says, yes, mom. You said protect the curd from the crows. Yeah, then what did you do? Yeah, but a dog came and ate away the curd. What did you do? Well, you asked me to protect it from the crows and therefore I didn't do anything to the dog. So here when the mother says, protect the curd from the crows, it is not really crow, but anything that is, that that, that threatens the curd. Whether it is cat or dog or whatever, that is what is intended there. The crow is to be understood not only a crow, but a whole class of those animals or creatures which may be a threat to the safety of the curd. So this is called Ajahal Lakshana. You not only in- include crow, but also include cats and dogs and whatever it is which have, which can possibly eat away that curd. So we use these kind of things in our common uh, parlance. This kind of language, this kind of implications. And third is called Jahad Ajahal Lakshana. <coughs> where you give up something and you retain something. It is also called bhagatyagalakshana. Tyaga means giving up, bhaga means retaining. You retain something, partly you retain the part and you give up the part. And where do you do that? The second line of the verse is soya vakyastha padayo eva. That is the famous statement Soyam devadatta. Or we said yesterday Soyam krishnamurti. This is that krishnamurti. They said, I'm talking to this person. He's in beard and in very strange attire. I don't recognize that person. I have been talking to him all right, but without recognizing him. And after a while a mutual friend comes and says, Swamiji, did you recognize him? I said, no, this is that Krishnamurti. Oh, this is that Krishnamurti. Now I realize... Remember, Swami when you used to be in New York so many years ago, then there was a Krishnamurti whom you used to meet, and there, there were discussions and things like that. Then I realized, huh, a Krishnamurti in, in suit, and you know, in a business attire, now I remember. Matted locks and beard and things like that. He has become a sadhu. And that Krishnamurti was a professional man. Then this is that Krishnamurti. Now when it is said, This and that cannot be one really. This Krishnamurti is possessed of, is characterized by this time, this place and this condition. Krishnamurti meaning a person, the name is now Krishnamurti, is characterized by this time, this place and this strange condition, this strange attire. And that Krishnamurti is characterized by that time, fifteen years ago, that place, New York City, and that condition, a business suit, etc. That and this, this time after fifteen years, this place in in, in in Rishikesh and this situation where he presents himself as a sadhu or as a monk, these two persons cannot be one. But the statement says, this is that Krishnamurti. This means something that is evident to you, something that is directly known to you, something that is perceptible, that which is remote. You always use the pronoun that to denote something that is remote and use the pronoun this to denote something that is perceptible, that is something in the present. (coughs) So remote thing cannot be identical to something that is in front of you. And this bearded fellow cannot be identical to the one who was in business suit. But then the statement says, this is that Krishnamurti. So what do I do, you know? I look at this fellow, I bring... This is that Krishnamurti. You know how I do? In my mind, I take this Krishnamurti and remove from him the beard, etc., you know? And then I take that Krishnamurti of fifteen years ago and remove from him the business suit and everything. And then the person that remains, I see the identity of that Vyakti or that person. That yeah, his eyes, his nose, the shape of his mouth, his height, well he has put on fifteen pounds alright, but basically the same person. So what I do, all the contradictory characteristics but in this and that, all these contradictory characteristics are negated in my mind. And that which is common to both the persons, I see the identity, A, eh, on the common basis. You understand? So we do see, because this person says that, and I have trust in him, when he says, this is this that Krishna Krishnamurti, I trust this person. If I did not trust him, I may reject. How can you say that? But I trust him. And therefore, since I trust him, then I look at closely to this Krishna Murthy, and I remember that Krishna Murthy, and I find the common features like the height, like the nose, like the eyes, like the peculiar shape of the ears, and whatever, and I recognize yes, this is that Krishna Murthy. So what did I do in my mind? In my mind, I negated the contradictory characteristics of both the persons, and I saw the identity that actually is there which is the common element between the two. So when I see the common element between the two persons, then I see that yes, both of them are one alone or I see the identity. This is called Bhaga Tyaga Lakshana. I don't totally eliminate the Krishnamurti. I eliminate only part of him, namely the beard, etc. So I retain the common element and I, I discard the, the contradictory elements And I do this in my mind, it's not necessary that this Krishnamurti must shave up and everything, you know, then alone I can recognize him. There's no need for me to do something with this person. Whatever is to be done, I do it in my mind. This process is called negation. It is not necessary to actually change this fellow. No, no, wait a minute, let him wear a suit, then alone I can recognize him. I don't say that. But I can do that process in my mind. So in my mind, I do the negation. This in in Sanskrit is called badha or negation. So negate the contradictory elements and then you recognize a person. Or someone says, you are looking at a beggar. He says, look at my son. What I find there is a beggar. What are you talking? Your, Your son is a beggar? He says, no Swami, this is my son. He is acting as a beggar. Then I realize, hey, I look at the beggar and I see again the same nose and the same eyes and some of those features that I spot and I see this lady's son there. What do I do? In my mind I negate the costume of the beggar and I see the son who is wearing that costume. Devoid of that costume and I recognize the son of this woman. So this kind of thing is done by us in our daily life. This method is called bhagatyag lakshana or jahad Ajahal lakshana meaning giving up the contradictory elements and seeing the identity between the common element. <coughs> so mitya divaakyastha So bhaga lakshana meaning bhagatyag lakshana idyartha tatra dursthanda soya says the Tikagara svayam so dev datte vakya sthay vakya sthayo saha ayam iti palayo yasa jahat ajahal lakshana varti asira na para na jahal lakshana na api ajahal lakshana tadvat atra api similarly also here in this statement tatvamasi that thou art. that and thou that means the god thou means this individual both of them are apparently possessed of totally contradictory characteristics. Thou, meaning the individual, possessed of all kinds of limitations. That, meaning God, is possessed of all kinds of, I mean, He is limitless in every respect. And therefore, apparently there is a total contradiction between that and Thou, just a very contradiction between this Krishnamurti and that Krishnamurti. <coughs> but since I trust <coughs> the statement of the Shruti the Upanishad. If I don't trust, of course I will not think further. Since I trust, since I trusted the statement of my friend, Similarly, also since I trust the statement of the Upanishad, therefore I subject the statement to a scrutiny. And then I find the common element between this and that. And that will come. So that is how we recognize what we call the identity between Jeeva and Ishwara, the individual and the total, the, the, the individual and the Lord, <laughs> the limited and the limitless. <clears throat> before we go into that, another technical question is asked here before the verse 75. NANU GAM ANAY vakyartha tadvat kinnasya This is another famous statement, gaam anaya, bring the cow. It's interesting how the logicians in India explain to us how the knowledge takes place by words, how the words produce knowledge. <coughs> How a child actually, he learns the language. How does it happen? So child is sitting here. Here is an older person instructing a younger person. Rama dandena gam anaya Hey Rama, bring the cow with the help of a staff. So this little child is listening to this conversation. Hey Rama, bring the cow. Let us say, bring the cow. So the child sees this person called Rama going and bringing some kind of an animal. Which is, then he understands, bring the cow. So cow, this animal is called cow because in response to this instruction, this person, the younger person, brought a, an object or brought an animal. So the child connects the instruction, bring the cow and that person's action of bringing something. So what is brought is understood by this child as cow. And bring, what is the meaning of bring? That action of actually leading the cow from that place to this place is called bringing. So this is how the child understands, slowly and slowly grasps the language. This is called shabda bodha, that's how bodha of the knowledge takes place, by shabda, shabda or words. <coughs> now, here the question is asked, that why is it necessary for you to go out of your way to search for an implied meaning when a statement can directly make the sense, there's no reason to, to go for an implied meaning. When this older person says, bring the cow, then the person literally does that and brings that cow. And this statement reveals its meaning without the need to search for implied meanings. (coughs) So the... the questioner here says that, we find that in the general... in the normal conversation, the statements do convey the meaning without the need for searching for an implied meaning. Then why is it necessary for you to search for an implied meaning in this Mahavakya called That Thou Art? Why do you seek? Why don't you simply take it literally? Just as by literally interpreting the words, bring the cow, that you are able to understand, make the sense out of the statement, similarly also by taking literally the meaning of That Thou Art, why can't you get this statement I mean sensible statement <clears throat> and this question is asked and answered in the verse 75 samsargo vavishishtova samsargo vavishishtova vakyartho natrasammathah vakyartho natrasammathah akhandai karasat Tvena, akhandai karasatvena Vakyartho Vidusham Mataha Vakyartho Vidusham Mataha Samsargova Visistova vākyārthah Nathasam How a Vakya or a statement conveys the meaning? What is a Vakya or a statement or a sentence? A sentence is nothing but a group of words. Padasamuhaha <clears throat> Vakyam A group of words where the grouping satisfies certain fundamental conditions is called vakya or a sentence. When the words are placed in such a manner that collectively they convey a sense, when the words are placed in vicinity of each other and when the words convey a particular sense. <clears throat> There is is तात्पर्य meaning the intention is involved in there, in making a sentence. Then the words are placed in vicinity of each other or uttered in vicinity of each other. And thirdly, each word is connected to the other word in order to complete the sense. <coughs> Otherwise, if you utter a sentence, Gaurasva Purushohasti, they say. Gaurasva Purushohasti, A cow, horse, elephant, man. Suppose you make a statement like this. Cow, horse, elephant, man. No, we will not call this a sentence. Because cow, horse, elephant, man, this thing in fact, doesn't convey any sense at all. Because it leaves a lot of questions unanswered. If the questions are unanswered, then the listener, in, in the listener, a sense is not conveyed. In which case, we will not call that a sentence. Suppose I say bring, now that will not become a sentence, what do you mean bring? Bring what? If I say bring water, then it's a complete sentence because moment I utter the word bring, it raises the question what? If in my sentence, that question also is answered, bring water, then fine, or unless there is some context, Earlier discussion is there when we have been talking of water, whether to bring the water or not, and then I say bring, and then you can refer to the earlier context and complete the sense. But if all of a sudden I make a statement, bring, bring it here, then also you will wonder, bring it, bring what here? (coughs) Or similarly, if I just make a statement, uh, call him, then also you will not call whom. So, call so and so. So, when I say call, then immediately it raises in your mind a question as to who. If I simply complete the sentence call, then that will not be a sentence because it leaves the question an answer as to who. (coughs) So, call him. Bring the cow. When I say, then the, the cow is a word that satisfies the need that is raised by the statement bring. When I say bring, immediately a question arises in the mind of the listener, bring what? Then my sentence is, bring the cow. So when a word is uttered, there is always a need to supply another word in order to complete the sentence. If there is a need for supplying the words to complete the sentence then all those necessary words must be there in order to complete the sense of a sentence. So bring the cow, that's a complete sentence. <clears throat> bring would not be a sentence, cow would not be a sentence, They would not be a sentence. Bring the cow, that's a complete sentence because the akanksha or the expectation that the utterance of the word bring, uh, brings about that expectation is fulfilled when I utter the word cow. So, bring and cow are related to each other. This this kind of relationship is called samsarga or samanda relationship. So, bring the cow with the help of a staff. When I say, the staff, bring, the cow, all these words are related to each other. And thus, these words convey the sense by a relationship with each other. Or if I say, a big, blue, fragrant lotus. Look at the big, blue, fragrant lotus. There also conveys a sense. What is big, blue, fragrant lotus? Neelam, Neelam, Hat, Utpalam. So, Neelam, Hat, Utpalam. Blue, big, fragrant lotus. Here, big is related to lotus. Big qualifies a lotus. Fragrant qualifies a lotus. Blue qualifies a lotus. And therefore, the relationship between these words, Big, Blue, Fragrant, and the word lotus is, one of qualification and that which is qualified. <coughs> one of adjective and substantive, substantive or qualification and qualified. In Sanskrit, Vishta and vishesya. So Visheshanam and Visheshya, this is the relationship of qualification. So these are the methods, these are the manner in which the words are generally related in a sentence and this is how the words convey a sense in a sentence. (coughs) This is the, now there are lots of debates about how a sentence conveys a meaning, how the words convey the meaning and this is not the time to discuss. But the point is, since the topic is brought up here, the questioner says, normally, when it is said bring the cow, then that kind of a statement conveys the meaning by what we call samanda or relationship where the bring and cow are related to each other. Or, the big blue lotus, there the statement conveys a sense because big and blue, both of them are qualifications of lotus. So there the relationship is qualification and qualified. So we find that a sentence conveys its meaning by one of these two methods. What is the kind of method by which your statement that the art, by which method does it convey this, this sense? So the author says, Sam Sargoba vakyartho nata Natrasammataha Loke Gaam Aana Ittyada Upadahi smaritanam ākāṅśādimatāṁ gavādipadārthānaṁ manvayah vākyār sattvena āngīkṛtah loke meaning in the common parlance gāmane bring the cow ittyādipadahi by such words smaritanam ākāṅśādimatāṁ ākāṅśa meaning a an expectation so bring brings about an expectation of what? bring the cow that word cow satisfies the expectation that is raised by the word bring and therefore the rākāṅśa. And there is an intention, tatparya. intention of the part of the speaker. There is also asapti, meaning, the close proximity of the two words, bring the cow. And by this, that sentence conveys the meaning. Yasa nīlam mahatsvigandhi utpalam ittyādhu Nilatva viṣiṣṭasya utpalasya vākyārsattum śvīkṛtam Or when I say that, big blue fragrant lotus, in that case, also big blue and fragrant both of these three words are what to call Visheshana or adjectives <coughs> and they are adjectives to this word called lotus and that way, by way of being related to adjective and substantive, this sentence conveys a meaning in this ma called that the word none of this is applicable that and thou are not related to each other or that and thou do not qualify each other. Although some teachers do see this kind of relationship. You must have heard Swamiji sometimes telling you Tattvamasi that thou art is the translation but very often people interpret the statement as Tastyattvamasi. The Tatvam is taken as a compound word and interpreted by certain teachers as Tasyatvam. See, Tasyatvam is Tatvam. You are His, meaning you are related to Him. And that is how they, they seek here what we call samsarga or sammandha. So Tat and Tvam, that and thou, are they related? They say that they are related to each other. You are His, meaning you are His servant or you are a fraction of him. Somebody sees a Visheshana, that you are a Visheshana of him, you are a fraction of him. Or somebody sees a samanda, you are his meaning, you are his Sevaka, or you are his servant, or you are his devotee. Or Tasmin you are related, you are, you abide in him, meaning that you are a fraction and he is the whole. So this statement is interpreted variously by other teachers to see what we call sammandha and vishesha. But Vedantins do not accept this. They say that this "that" and thum or that and thou are even the two words. They do not refer to two entities. They refer to the same entity alone. In, in order to have sammandha or the relationship, two entities must be separate. Then alone there can be relationship. When we say wave is water, are the wave and water related to each other? You cannot say they are related to each other because they are not two separate entities. Wave and water are not two separate entities and therefore, this sentence actually really reveals identity between wave and water and not some kind of relationship between wave and water. Or wave is water when you say, do you say that the wave qualifies the water? or wave is some kind of an adjective to the water, that also is not there because wave is water. <coughs> how can you say wave is water? Water in a given name and form alone is called wave. And therefore also wave is ocean when you say, better than that, wave is ocean when you say, how can wave be ocean? Wave is a very limited entity, ocean is totally limitless, true. But much as the content of the wave is water, and the content of ocean also is water, from that standpoint we can say that wave is ocean <coughs> because the true nature of wave is water, true nature of ocean also is water and therefore we can say wave is ocean. Similarly also here the Vedantins say that that thou art, that and thou Jiva and Ishvara, the individual and Lord they are not really two separate entities enjoying a relationship between them but this statement is similar to the wave is ocean meaning they are actually one if you look at them from the standpoint of name and form yes, ocean is large, limitless and wave is limited in every respect but then when you look at the content of the two the content of the wave is also water content of ocean also is water and from that standpoint both of them are one alone <coughs> So, Naiva Matra Mahavakeshu Samsarga Vishashtaya Ho Anyatarasya Vakya Tattvam Abhyogam Mede Here in Mahavakya meaning Tattvamasi Is Samsarga, we do not accept the relationship between Tat and Tattvam Vishashtaya, we do not say that Tattvam qualify one or the other Anyatarasya of none of these, neither of these Vakya Tattvam Abhyogam Mede We do not accept any one of these relationships between these two words and Tattvam or that and thou <laughs> However, the wise people say, the learned people say, that Tath and this statement conveys the meaning without any relationship between Tath and or without any kind of a qualification between one and the other. But then both of them refer to one entity alone. That which is the common element between thak and Thvam. That which is common element between the Lord and the individual. And what is that? That will be stated in the next sentence. But... (coughs) Akhanda Ekarasatvena Akhanda Ekarasa That which is the one common essence. One unbroken, indivisible essence. So what is the essence of this? And what's the essence of God? From that essential nature, this Jiva the individual and God the limitless are one alone. Not from the standpoint of the uh, the 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 attire, not from the standpoint of the costume, not from the, from the standpoint of the name and form. Because from the standpoint of name and form, I am just a very small limited insignificant entity and from the standpoint of name and form, the Lord is the creator, sustainer, He is vast, He is limitless. But as much as, what am I in the essence? In the essence, I am nothing but plain and simple awareness. What is God also in essence? Nothing but plain and simple awareness. That very same existence, awareness, limitlessness, in the garb of a given name and form is called the individual and in the garb of the total name and form is called the Lord. (coughs) But what appears in the garb of one name and form and what appears in the garb of the total names and forms is one essence alone and that is plain and simple existence, awareness, limitlessness. (coughs) This is what the wise people have said. When they study the Upanishad, then this is how they interpret the statements of Upanishad. That this, that, and thou, Lord and you, both of them are identical in as much as you also is that essence, which is Svagatadi Bheda Shunyam, Sajatiya Vijatiya Svagadabheda Shunyam. That you are plain and simple awareness. Which does not enjoy, which does it does not suffer from a division of sajatiya. Meaning, there is no other awareness. <coughs> awareness is one alone. It looks as though I am one awareness, you are another awareness, he is another awareness, and it looks as though awareness is many. But that is not so. That manyness is not in awareness the manyness or multiplicity is merely at the level of this body or the mind at the level of the personality <coughs> but manifesting through your personality is that person and what is the nature of that person? plain and simple awareness and how many awareness there is? one alone because awareness cannot be divided this body cannot divide the awareness the mind cannot divide the awareness. The sense of individuality cannot divide the awareness. Just as its walls cannot divide the space, space remains one undivisible or undivided whole even though you create apparently the divisions. And as long as you are looking at the walls, you think that there is an inner space and there is an outer space. But this inner and outer divisions are in our mind, not in the space. And how are these divisions created in our mind? On account of giving reality to these walls. From the standpoint of the walls, it looks as though there is an inner space and an outer space. As a space is within these walls and space is without the walls. But from the standpoint of the space, we realize that even the walls are also in the space and therefore space remains undivided even when the apparent division is created and so also it looks as though the self is within such as within and without an awareness that within and without these notions are created on account of this body which is taken to be the self on account of taking this body to be the self on account of taking the mind to be the self therefore we feel that the self is confined to this personality <coughs> And I think that that self is confined to that personality. <coughs> in fact, the self is pure and simple awareness. This body also is an awareness. That body also is an awareness. Whole world is in awareness. It is not that awareness is within the body. The body is in an awareness. <coughs> and thus, when we look at it from the standpoint of awareness which I am, then we realize that That plain and simple awareness I am is the same awareness everywhere, undivided, indivisible. And therefore, there is no sajati Abheda, there is no true awareness. As we say, in the West, the mind is called awareness. Well, that way the minds are many. Your mind is different, my mind is different. We do not say mind is awareness. What is awareness? That which illumines the mind. Because mind is nothing but the flow of thoughts. And the thoughts are also known to me. Who is the knower of the thoughts? In which light the thoughts are illumined? In which light the thoughts are known? That light in which the thoughts are known, that is awareness. And that is the true nature of the witness, or the self, or the I. And that awareness is one without a second. There is no sajatiya bheda, meaning there is not awareness one, awareness two. There is no vijatiya bheda. There is nothing that awareness is one, and that inert world is another one. <coughs> Even the inert world, or everything also, nothing stands apart from awareness. <coughs> there is no Swagata Awareness is not divided as past awareness, present awareness, future awareness, good awareness, bad awareness. There is no such division within awareness. And this awareness of the Self is devoid of any kind of a division, which is Sajatya, vijatiya, Swagataya. In the same class, of different class, or within oneself. So, the di Bheda Sunya Vastu Matra Rupena Vakyartha Vidvadvihi Adhipere Vidvadvihi by the wise people. This Vakyartha, the meaning of the statement that thou art, is understood as that Vastu or that principle which is devoid of any kind of a division, which is one. ...without a second. Tad Ananyatvam What is referred to here is... Prima Sutra. Where Badrāyana, the sutrakāra... ...the ephorist... ...has made several statements. Tad Ananyatvam Aramvana That cause and effect... ...are in fact non-separate. The effect is... ...non-separate from the cause. Cause is... ...Brahman the effect is the creation the creation is non-separate from the cause Brahman is awareness and so the universe is non-separate from awareness and also there is a samanvaya meaning there is a concurrence between all the Upanishads that all of them deal with only one principle which is Brahman the limitless the awareness <coughs> and therefore Vedantins only accept this that this statement that thou art reveals only one principle. There is a homogeneous whole, undivided and indivisible, and that is the reality of the individual as well as the whole universe. It is the reality between, behind the individual, the creation and the creator. So we actually recognize three entities in our experience. The individual is one the whole universe of creation or creation in another one and the creator or God is the third one. We think that these three are independent or separate entities. This statement says that thou art erasing all the duality or division between these three saying that there is only one principle that is the essential content of the individual as well as the universe as well as the creator. And what is that principle? That is called Brahman. And that is limitless. What is nature? Satyam, Jnanam, Anantam, Brahman. Satya means that which is truth, changeless, non-negatable. Jnanam meaning that which is awareness. Anantam means that which is limitless. And therefore one changeless, limitless awareness. Which is full and complete, which is boundless, all-inclusive. That is the truth. Behind this individual, this world and the creator. And therefore, the individual is not so small as he or she takes the self to be. Even though I think I am very small, in fact, I am the limitless. When I look at myself from the standpoint of the body, yes, I am small. When I look at myself from the standpoint of the mind, yes, I am small. When I look at myself from the standpoint of the ego, the individuality, yes, I am small. But that is not my true nature. This body is not I. The mind is not I. The ego is not I. The true I is that awareness, limitless, boundless. And this is what the teachers tell us. This is what is the true meaning of the declaration of the Upanishads that thou art. (coughs) And therefore, atahal lakshana asanaya. And therefore, in order to understand the meaning of the statement that thou art, we have to we have to use what we call the implied meaning and not the direct meaning or the word meaning. (laughs) continue the discussion tomorrow <clears throat> Om purna madaspurna purana puranamudachyate puranasya puranamadaya puranammeva va Om shant shante shankaram Sankaracharyam keshavam Bhadarayanam sutra bhashyakrutau vande bhagavantau punah punah guru raatme devi moorti vibhagine vyomavad vyapta dehaya dakshinam Om sham tan sham Hari Om Shri Guru Bhay Namah Hari Om